weeks that He came to be rejected. He came to this earth in order to be rejected. The passage that Paul came from last week was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And he, technically, he wrote it. He breathed it into Isaiah, and Isaiah wrote it down. And so as a baby boy, somehow, someway, as God, he knew he came to this earth to be rejected. Not for his own acceptance, but for ours. But for ours. Who does that? Who gets rejected and comes, to, and, comes and, and knows he will be rejected in order for somebody else's acceptance? Who does that? And how do they do that? We see in this, in this one Christmas commercial, uh, no, Paul, I don't have a love of foreign film. Just when you Google sappy Christmas commercials, the foreign ones come up. We, in America, we just, we, we do everything middle of the road. <laughs> because, well, anyway. So, you see in this, in this Christmas Eve truce of of 1914, in the middle of the worst possible rejection known to man, war, for one day, they're accepting each other. For one day, they come together. For one day, there's peace. For centuries, Since Genesis 3, humans have waged war against God. But for 33 years or so, God came to earth. His rejection is our acceptance. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the lives of those people surrounding the Christmas narrative. And if He came to be rejected for our acceptance, what does that have to do with us in our everyday life? We're going to see through these people that, that, that they each one dealt with their own rejection with their own story. And hopefully, hopefully, we all can find ourselves in each one of these stories. Not because I want us all to have rejection, but because we've all experienced it. We've made a God out of this, in this culture, we've made a God out of acceptance. Unless I am accepted by everybody, I cannot live. We better get used to it. Especially if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. And so surrounding this story, we're going to be bopping around between Luke 1 and 2 and Matthew 1 and 2. And if you can follow along on the, on the Bible event, uh, I, I would highly suggest to follow along there. You can keep your notes. The Bible study guide is, is kind of weaved throughout the, 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 the sermon uh, scriptures and etc. Uh, 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 through uh, in the Bible event. And you will be able to follow along on the screen as well. We're going to first look at Mary. Mary... Typical teenage girl, young teenage girl. 
she was actually, technically, she was married. Okay, well, maybe not a typical teenage girl today, but she was betrothed to be married, which meant that, that there was a legal contract between her family and Joseph's family. The only thing that she was waiting for was him to save up enough money to pay the dowry price to her family. And that could have happened at any point in time. She didn't know when that was going to happen. She was just looking forward to the day that he came up over the horizon to come and get his bride. And at that point in time, this pesky angel showed up to her. He showed up. And he tells her this. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That's good news, right? It's always good news to find favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. You have found favor to God, but God is going to put a death sentence on your life. Right? You're going to be pregnant. You're going to be pregnant. And it was God who did it. Who's going to believe her? Fathers of teenage girls, you're going to believe this? Points for originality. When the growth in her belly proved her adultery, what do they do to adulterers? Stone them. And if not that, life was over. Even if her life wasn't over, it was over because she was now damaged goods. And the one who she was going to be married to, there's no way that he would get married to her anymore. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not been intimate with the man? I've had that junior high class before, angel, and I haven't done that. That's not happened yet. And the question behind the question. How can all this be? How can all this be? How, how can all of this go down? This isn't the plan that I had for my life, angel. Mary is facing marriage rejection. More broad relationship rejection. The angel replied to her, said some things, but he caps this off by saying, for nothing will be impossible with God. Of course, that had to do with the virgin birth and that Jesus was going to come through her. But don't you know that that sentence had more impact in her life than just having a baby? For your marriage, nothing is impossible with God. Look, in our culture today, in our culture today, we're just jacked up when it comes to relationships and sex and all of this. That's nothing new. It's for all the millennia. 
As followers of Jesus, we are going to feel the rejection just simply in the fact that we have a different ethic than our culture when it comes to sex and marriage. And maybe if you're young single, you're saying, I don't know when that's going to happen. And I feel like I've been rejected. And who knows what you're going through right now in marriage, in relationships. We see this young girl dealing with the same exact thing. But she chose to walk into the marriage rejection because she knew, she knew that by faith she would have more hope, joy, peace, love, and faith Somehow, she didn't know how, with God than with the marriage. You may feel broken in this area. But God, God wants to give you more with Him than without Him. There's no easy antidote here. No easy antidote. It's simply determined to have faith with this ethic. Have faith. And taking it one step at a time with God than without Him. And then we see Joseph. The one she was betrothed to. And in Matthew chapter 1, we see, so her husband, Mary's husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. He had options. Continue to marry her, divorce her secretly, or divorce her publicly. See, he was the one to pay the dowry price. This is, this is, this is in their day, this is the, how the, the bride's family knew he could take care of their daughter. I am willing to pay this price for her. And if he decided to divorce her publicly, look, the evidence was going to be there soon enough, correct, that she had committed adultery? Who was going to believe her? If he decided that, that he was going to take that route, route he, did, he was off the hook on the contract. She dissolved the contract. He wouldn't have to pay the dowry price anymore. Scot free. But if he decided to divorce her privately, he was going to go to the family and say, I just don't want her anymore. I just don't want her anymore. But he didn't get to walk away so easy. He still had to pay the dowry price and a restitution fee. Fine. Joseph was facing financial rejection, or more broadly, societal rejection. If he decided to divorce her privately, people would start whispering about him. What was behind the scenes with his life? And should I go to this carpenter for my carpentry needs? 
He was facing a pocketbook decision here. And if he decided to marry Mary and go through with it, think about the whispers then. I don't think they've been married nine months. Who in a religious setting would go to a carpenter who is iffy on his morality? Reality, right? But after he had considered these things, those pesky little angels, right? An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Maybe he has a little bit new, that, that, that don't be afraid, maybe he has a little bit new meaning, right? Don't be afraid of your provision, Joseph. To take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And what does he do? He marries Mary. He says, my hope, my joy, my peace, my love, my faith is not in financial gain, is not in my provision, it is in God alone, and I'm going to let him take care of all the rest of that. Have you ever made a decision to hear and follow Jesus on something and you knew it was to your financial detriment? You knew. In this short term, it's going to be my financial detriment. Whether that's a business contract, whether that's how you do business, whether you make a decision to tithe or not, that's to your financial detriment, right? Short term, giving away my money. But you know what? Generosity is an antidote to this. Making the decision. God plus 90% is more, is greater than me with 100. God without this business deal is greater than me with this business deal. We cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve both possessions and God. Which one is it going to be? We will all face financial rejection because we follow Jesus. Who will be our God? Now we get to Elizabeth and Zechariah. Elizabeth was, a, was kind of a distant cousin of, of Mary. They were well advanced in years. They were barren when they could have kids. They were well past the having kids stage now. But what happened? Well, a pesky angel showed up, right? Those angels. What did the angels say to Zechariah? You're going to have a kid. Problem is, it spent decades hoping for that. And now, it's 
well beyond the ability to have a kid. Elizabeth and Zechariah, what were they dealing with? Perhaps they felt rejected by God himself. Let's read Luke 1. 6 and 7, both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But, you feel that? But, they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. You ever been there? God, I've been living for you. I've been trying my best to follow you. I've been, I've been living righteously. But this one thing, this one thing that I want, it just will never get here. For Elizabeth and Zechariah, it was a kit. What about you? And maybe because we're in church, when you heard rejection uh, from, from, from God, you're like, oh no, he doesn't reject us. I, un- I understand that. But does that mean that we don't feel rejected by God sometimes? What's the antidote? Good old-fashioned grit and perseverance. Standing on his promises even though his promises do not feel tangible. Standing on the fact that a baby came knowing he would be rejected to the nth degree to prove his love for us means that physical blessing is merely physical. That there's a hope, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's a love, there's a faith that goes beyond any physical blessing that we could ever have. And look, there's no easy route to this. It takes grit and perseverance to get through these times. And God is okay with your frustration. Go read Psalms. Go read Lamentations. There is a book of the Bible that is only a dude whining to God. It's called Lamentations. Right? That's church speak for whining to God. God can handle it. But He has something greater. Just like all the rest of the... God has something greater. Next, the shepherds. These guys facing moral rejection. They were dirty, physically dirty, because, you know, when you chase sheep around, you have a tendency to get dirty, poop and everything, which would automatically disqualify them from the worship system of that day. So... What happens at night with grown men who are bored and they're already rejected from the worship system? Pretty much whatever they want, right? So therefore, they were also rejected from the standpoint of their morality. 
Shepherds were some cross between, I'm sorry if you're in the Navy, but sailors and the Wolf of Wall Street. You know, like just some cross between that. Like whatever goes. But, but what happened? When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, what happened? But the angel! Those pesky little angels just keep showing up, right? But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Look, if the angels would have showed up to a king, if the angels would have showed up to those who are morally superior, nobody would have believed that the message was for all people, right? If he would have shown up to the lowly of all society, then you go, oh, if the message is for shepherds, then it can be for me too. Today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will be, find the baby wrapped in snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. The implication was, was that God favored these dirty shepherds. That's crazy. In his birth announcement, God sent the angels with the cigars to the shepherds. To the shepherds. These morally filthy people. If you're here this morning and you feel rejected by God and feel rejected by the church because of your morality, look at the story. God sent the baby in order to clean this. Because we can't do it ourselves. And he told it to, to the shepherds. Because they couldn't do it themselves. And they went to worship this baby. Don't you know that changed their life forever? Every one of us have sinned. We've all felt the moral rejection. And the antidote to this is simply saying to Jesus, I believe. I believe. I believe that you came so that I can be accepted by God. Then we see the wise men. The wise men was from a region that 700 years plus prior they came in and completely ransacked Jerusalem. They were God's enemies. And they re- were rejected for being the, 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 the enemies of God's people. But God showed up to them anyway, right? right? Through a star. These guys were astronomers. But more than likely, they were also astrologers. They worshipped the stars. And God showed up as a star to speak to them. If you feel like somebody, because of belief or religion, 
who is the enemy of God, or you feel like that, or the enemy of God's people, I want this story to let you know that God still speaks to you in your language. In your language. Just like he spoke to the wise men. And the antidote to this? Take the journey. The wise men journeyed through the desert to go find a baby. Take the journey to find the baby. Take the journey to discover who Jesus is all about. We're not interested in converting you to Christianity. We're interested in you finding a relationship with Jesus. And lastly, Simeon and Anna, two people who are well advanced in years, spent all their time in the temple waiting for the Messiah to come. Reading between the lines, they might have felt some age rejection. These crazy old religious freaks. Ain't that sweet, right? Or in Southern Baptist South speak, bless your heart, right? But instead, they decided to keep believing. Keep believing that the promise to them specifically that they would find the Messiah, that they would see the Messiah was going to come true and they got to experience that. And maybe you felt age rejection. Rather because you're well advanced in years or you're not. God uses Elizabeth, Zechariah, Anna, Simeon, and others throughout Scripture. Shoot! Moses started his ministry at 80. Some of you got some decades before, you know, your best prime real estate, right? Before then. But also, there's a pretty good evidence that the only disciple that was not a teenager was Peter. That all the rest of the 11 were teenagers. What do we want to see? Students? Serving with adults? Because God's got something greater for everybody. All different types of people from all different walks of life. All coming together. Why? For a baby. For one baby. Because they had faith, no matter where they were in life, that this baby had something more than their life had to offer. Why is this important? We're all going to be rejected. We're all going to face rejection, suffering, trials, difficulties, disappointment. Where will our hope, peace, joy, love, and faith come from? Will, where will we tie those pillars of our life to? Will we decide to hear and follow Jesus? 
despite the fact that, that temporarily that may seem like a crazy decision, and that, that we will be rejected for that decision, or that looking long term, the only time we're promised acceptance is at death. Religious liberty has hypnotized us to rejection and suffering. That it's a right. It's nice. But what did Jesus say? You will have trouble. whole point of Revelation is that you'll have trouble up until you die. And then it's going to be pretty good after that. Right? There's more to life than what we can see. There's more hope than what we can see. There's more joy than what we can see. There's more peace than what we can see. There's more love than what we can see. And there's more faith than what we can see. Allow the people around the story of Jesus' birth to teach us this. As we worship, pray. Depending on the person that you, you identify with, pray. Ask God. Seek God based on what He's speaking to you. If you need to pray with somebody, there'll be a few people around in the back. But worship the one during this time who was rejected so that you can feel and experience acceptance from God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you that you went through rejection so that we can experience acceptance. Help us. Help us to take that next step with you. It's your name we pray. Amen.